The subject for the evening talk is the act of knowing. In the uh, Buddhist tradition, and certainly inspired uh, by the Buddha, there has been and there continues to be much uh, uh, emphasis on the significance of what it is to know of what knowledge is, authentic, uh, valid knowledge is. And that's revealed or represented in a variety of ways in the body of the teachings. In the traditional uh, teachings, there is, and perhaps most people here will be familiar with, what is called the Noble uh, Eightfold Path. And the first link in that is in the Pali language, uh, samma, which means right or appropriate or full, it's generally translated as right, and ditti means understanding or knowing or view, right view, right seeing, right understanding. And then it follows in through um, seven other links and each of those links are very directly concerned with aspects and features of our daily life. Speech, action, livelihood, uh, effort, awareness, meditation, or um, attitude, thought, all constitute the body of what is known as the Noble Eightfold Path. And thus, a human being who is interested and deeply concerned with the thing of living, the experience of living, will willingly, with all the difficulties that are entailed, look at and address in one's life and in the life of others each and every link of an eightfold path. In other words, what I understand the Buddha has attempted to do there is to present through those links and those factors a very comprehensive view of life which challenges us and forces us to look at all the considerations of existence. And in a very simplified and fairly pragmatic form that is embodied in the uh, Eightfold Path. Therefore, nothing is to be neglected, no stone is to be left unturned when it comes looking into existence and realising what it's about. I'd like to speak a little bit about right understanding or right knowing or uh, right uh, view because it has uh, specific areas and fields of significance and I think also it addresses questions of knowledge and knowing, of omniscience and such claims, and other considerations that happen either within oneself in life or in our relationship to teachings, and sometimes, in fact, to teachers as well. We, coming here, and uh, yourself at the moment in the uh, act of listening 
either from myself or Shada or, her, or Jose, will possibly think uh, to yourself that whatever you hear, mostly 90%, maybe 100%, is in fact what you have heard, know, read, already. In other words, there is probably very little which is said which you don't know or know about already. So when we speak of the themes and values of um, presence to life, care and respect for every activity, watchful of uh, the potency of thought, uh, listening deep into the, the feeling life, seeing what occurs with regard to um, the future and the past, um, the influence of fear and control uh, in life, and many other themes, Eightfold Path themes or whatever. Much of it, of course, is fairly plain, hopefully down-to-earth, useful common sense. It's a teaching of common sense. It's a teaching which is endeavouring to bring knowing or understanding to life. And so sometimes we, uh, in, in the tradition, like to use a rather fanciful word of, of wisdom. Sounds nice. <laughs> to be wise, to find wise people, to uh, realise some wisdom about life. But in, in a way it's a rather fancy word for understanding in a way in which circumstances of life, so to speak, stand under us. We're not overwhelmed, overshadowed, daunted by the circumstances of life, inwardly or outwardly, since an understanding has come. What can happen, of course, and is pointed out and uh, is seen and known by ourselves to a degree that the thought can arise, well, I know this already. And there we make a distinction in that some forms of knowledge make, and perhaps many, unfortunately, make no real difference to our life. I know the futility of worrying and projecting into the future. I know the futility of going over the past, this, that and the other again and again. I know that keep grasping onto situations in the present and clinging onto them is of no purpose. But that knowledge may be just a knowing which comes out of the brain or it comes out of thought. The knowing which we are interested in here is a knowing and therefore an act of knowing which makes a difference. When it makes a difference, we can be said to know. When it makes a difference. And so I say that sometimes spiritual life, eightfold path, is in fact the distance 
from head to heart, distance from brain to instinct, distance from ideas into one's guts. And, that, and all the spiritual path and, and journey, in fact, is about that journey. So that we understand and we know as well and as clearly and as self-evidently, as the Buddha said, as a person with good eyesight knows colour, a person with uh, physical attributes knows that the hand belongs to the end of the arm, it's known that clearly we don't have to think about it. What's going to contribute to a knowing which brings a, a, a peace with life, an understanding of ourselves and of others? Many activities and in many ways in the spiritual life, again spiritual as a another word which I suspect in fact before the new millennium comes in will be probably quite obsolete because it's got such an extraordinary degree of use. It kind of eventually loses its, its meaning and as many other concepts uh, uh, do uh, as well. And um, one of them, I don't want to go on a tangent here but I will for a few sentences, um, and one of them is, um, uh, so in some circles, is called green spirituality. And, and th- th- this one always makes me uh, smile a little bit, the fact of spirituality suddenly gaining a colour. And, um, and it happens to be green, and why not others? But anyway, so again, we use the world of the language and uh, the concepts uh, which are there. But... More important than all of that is the act of knowing, the act of understanding and the significance of that in life. One of the things which occurs in, as I said, so-called spiritual life or religious circles or whatever, is that there is an immense degree of painful confusion around what it is to know or to use the most uh, ambitious of all concepts in spiritual life, what it is to be enlightened, which is a a knowing which seems to have a certain fulfilment to it, if we take the normal meaning of the usual meaning of the word uh, enlightenment. And it generates, again and again, much confusion, because the mind of a human being sometimes gets the idea that to know, to understand, to see clearly is such as it goes further and deeper has a natural, this is the belief system, the natural expansion that it goes to an all-knowing. It goes into areas, the act of knowing, which it has, can, has no business, for one thing, going into. And yet the belief can arise. And therefore a belief of, of a kind of omniscient knowing. When there's some trace and vulnerability in that way, it's an invitation in spiritual life towards projection projection on another, 
or a projection on oneself. And that projection on oneself, well, I wonder what it would be like to be enlightened. Well, it'll just be hair on your head if you've still got any left. Arms will be on the hand will be end of the end of your arm and colours will be showing to yourself if you've got reasonable eyesight. But the knowing, the idea and the image can arise of a kind of expansion out which is immeasurable and permeating everywhere, into everything. It's simply ego gone riot. <laughs> and this so easily and so often gets forgotten and in the forgetfulness what the act of knowing in spiritual terms has a specific relationship a specific kind of uh, knowing in a specific context and it's the one which the tradition and practices and teachings say again and again. So if I just take the, the other for a moment. Quite often, and I hear this quite regularly, I've heard it here during the day since arriving, and certainly elsewhere and in other places, where one comes into uh, contact with uh, teachings, and then there are issues in a person's life, in your life, our, our life, and one can have an assumption that a person, in this case a uh, teacher, a so-called spiritual master, a guru, or whatever we wish to, uh, whatever label we wish to use, we imagine or we think he or she does know or ought to know or will know about areas which is out of their field, actually out of their depth. And when there is a, a wish or a hope or an anticipation of knowing more than what is needed to be known, it can generate a tremendous amount of confusion. And perhaps one of the most common areas of all of this is the confusion around emotional, psychological healing and the difference between that and spiritual life, spiritual awareness, spiritual enlightenment. And understandably that there sometimes can be a valuable overlapping between the two. The hurts, the pains, the abuses, the crises, the tragedies, the harm that has been occurred or perpetuated in the past and spiritual act of knowing in the present. And sometimes one imagines or believes or hopes that somehow these two should fuse together and sometimes the fusion together should be in the form of what the teacher says or does. And it may not be the case at all. And what happens, and this happens regularly enough, is that the student, shall we say, and even more vulnerable, the disciple, can imagine that the act of knowing enters into every area 
of life, which it acts of spiritual knowing, liberated knowing, which it does not. The act of spiritual knowing or enlightened knowing cannot enter into every area of existence, particularly around emotional tragedies, crises, etc. And it's not unusual, and I can speak as somebody who spent, if I may say, ten years in the East, six of them as a, a Buddhist monk, having plenty of exposure uh, to the spiritual tradition, going to my teacher, uh, our teachers in fact, and referring to something, in this case, in the past event, and it was like a glazed look came over the eyes. <laughs> Of, and the kind of message that would go out was, but what, what significance is that? Why are you bringing up this? What relevance has this got to your being here? And that was the response. Or sometimes just, yes. <laughs> or another one would be, well, Everything's impermanent. That's a favourite one-liner in the film. <laughs> or sometimes just a kind of reactive, um, disdaining look would, would, would come over. Oh, don't bother me with such things. <laughs> All, in a way, gestures of um, reactivity which would come from the... Uh, teacher, not to be supported, not to be justified in any way, but certainly I would call that uh, communication and a statement where the act of knowing, in that liberated or enlightened sense that I'm speaking about, is such that it's not entering into every area and therefore in some situations in spiritual life, spiritual teachers are out of their depth. They can't comprehend it, they can't relate to it, they can't understand it, they can't connect with it, and what one gets, and it happens regularly enough, is sometimes a kind of visceral or reaction or a dismissive one-liner or a don't bother me with this kind of view. And for those who have projected all-knowing, limitless seeing, limitless compassion, and all of that exaggeration of projection, it can be devastating. Devastating. The person in their innocence, in their naivety, in their goodness of heart or whatever, have anticipated that enlightened life means a profound understanding of every little drop of the human psyche, every aspect of causal relationships of past to future, and, and an all-knowing awareness and understanding of that. It is simply not true. And not, please don't just rely on my words here. You can rely on your experience. One can go to the texts and 
uh, read what the Buddha has said, who has made it explicitly clear in this regard that omniscience is a fiction of the human mind. And it leads to turmoil and terrible confusion for people because wisdom, as one element of it, knows where boundaries are, knows where limitations are, knows that places where one can go to and knows where, where it doesn't go to. And sometimes we have built up in our foolhardiness tremendous hope and expectation that if we meet the right person in our life, in spiritual circles, he or she will perform some kind of magic potion on ourselves and then we would be put completely aright. There's no end to the extent of the human imagination. <laughs> we should not bow down before gurus. We should bow down and pay respect to the capacity of the human imagination to act beyond belief. <laughs> so awareness in life and seeing in life must carry an air, a, a, a presence, a, a, um, um, an act of understanding in itself. And that understanding then can begin to, to recognize what's what, can recognize limitations and acknowledge those because, as the Buddhist said, there are four, if I can remember them now that I've opened my mouth, four things in life which are unfathomable. One of them, oh, have I remembered them? <laughs> <laughs> What, what, one, one of them is the influence of karma, meaning, karma meaning here, the influence of unsatisfactory patterns from the past into the present. Not even a Buddha can comprehend the depth, the expanse, the influencing, the conditioning and all the pervasiveness which, which karma forms, that means the unsatisfactory influences of the past and the present. Another area of, of, of extraordinary difficult area to fathom and to underst understand, and some of you here can speak of that well too, of the depths and capacities of meditation capacity of meditation and the depths of meditation. And to comprehend that when one senses a, a, a deepening which is taking place in which our mind in its normal functioning and uh, uh, activity is quiet and very still and in, in that depth it's hard to, to comprehend, hard to explain to oneself or others what depth of meditation does to the whole psyche from top to bottom. A third area of, uh, of uh, hard to comprehend, and fourth I can't think of, I'm hoping it will come, but the third one <laughs> is to comprehend 
space and the depth of space. Isn't it sometimes we just go outside, you know, in full moon night or night and there's a clear night sky and we, we look out from this, our spot on this earth and the vastness of it all and the extent of it. It's too much for the mind to, to comprehend. It's beyond our limits to get, get, a, get a grasp of, 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 uh, of all, all of that. And there's one more and I have forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, eh? um, all right. <laughs> and and the, the, the other, um, <laughs> thank you, Jada, is um, the incapacity of the mind to comprehend how this all began. You know, we can have our religious theories and our scientific theories and this, that and the other, and when we just look at the, at the presence of time, the beginnings of things, and the way of things, and the future of things, the whole movement of time, and the origins of things, it's just too much, we're out of our scope with it. So in, in these areas of life, and in this case particularly I'm referring to uh, the world of the past, of the inner world of the past of human beings. To, it's not necessary for the act of knowing, which is liberating and seeing, to have the capacity to go into these areas, to understand these areas, and therefore to be able to respond well, or with great wisdom, or understanding, or compassion. Sometimes we can't. Sometimes a human being can't, no matter how clear, understanding, wise, how much the act of knowing is present in other areas of life. So that if we see that clearly with ourselves and see it clearly with others, we won't be setting either ourselves or others up for projection. And how many times within ourselves we, we say to ourselves, well, I've been with myself long enough. I've looked at these issues long enough. I've explored them through this, that and the other long enough. Yet somehow I still don't seem to have got it right. I still don't seem to know. I still don't seem to understand. I should be able to. And it exerts upon ourselves immense pressure. And the very pressure is the very activity which hin inhibits the understanding coming as a gift out of life. Sometimes we place and demand too much upon ourselves. And for sure, if we place too much upon ourselves, too much demand and too much pressure upon ourselves, and from that, that act of knowing and understanding isn't coming, it's going to be a fair bet in life that it will be transferred to another person who we expect will give us what we can't give ourselves. Hence the hierarchy begins.
and we then become high candidates in that hierarchy for incredible disappointment. In that, if that seeing becomes an act of knowing, there'll be no more gurus in your life ever more from this moment, I promise you. You won't look at somebody, a person, and in that build up a projection. Try to make more of what your immediate experience and awareness actually and honestly is. You won't collude with the disciples and the followers who project and fantasize and enter into a childish relationship. You'll trust directly in your act of knowing, in the act of seeing for that moment. And there won't be that kind of pressure on oneself or on another to be all-knowing or seeing all this and all that. It's untrue to life. And when we are untrue to life, then hope is rapidly followed by disappointment. Projection is rapidly followed by despair. And sometimes we, in our pressure or in our internal disappointments or in the struggles that we have, so though sometimes we, we don't want to hear these things. We want to keep with our fantasy. We want to create our spiritual heroes and our megastars and, and build build up that world. And sometimes, in a way, as I say, it's the goodness of the heart, the conditioned karma, called the goodness of the heart, which becomes one's own plight and pain. And it's not unusual for a human being in, in the goodness of the heart, the conditioned goodness of the heart, to move and make and project upon. And it can be just a small gesture, simple circumstance in, in life, a, a rebuff. And that goodness turns to doubt. That goodness turns to rejection, to reactivity. Why? There was not the act of understanding, not the act of knowing, not being true to what's happening right in the moment. human beings, no human being can give us and meet all that we want. We can't do it for ourselves and no other human being can do it because it's not the way for a realized life. We can support each other, we can be deep friends to each other, we can share with each other, we can express and share what we know, our knowing, and what we don't know, and what we think we know. But the essential teaching is to be a free human being. And a free human being is not dependent on other, nor dependent on oneself. Because one knows something which is freeing about life.
So the dynamics and the interactions of human beings with each other in spiritual practices and spiritual life are very, very vital. And just as we have been saying here over the days <coughs> with uh, each other in terms of meditation and silence, that it has uh, a number of distinctive features and values with it to keep us grounded uh, with uh, life. And one of them, among, among many of them, is that it helps to turn the attention back to the immediacy of our existence and our relationship to it. And it would be, apart from being fairly tedious and boring as the time went by, to actually uh, sit and uh, have to listen to teachers and teachings going on morning, noon and, and night, that it's uh, sometimes a, a challenge for 45 minutes in the evening at the end of a rather uh, of a long day. But part of the purpose is that teachings not only come through voices of teachers and the relationship too, but they obviously and genuinely and equally come through the silence of things. They come through one's being. And if we genuinely listen inwardly, fully, and listen to life as wholeheartedly as possible, it generates an act of knowing. It generates an understanding. It doesn't matter whether it's verbalized or unverbalized, some people can express and articulate their understanding well and clearly, and others cannot. It's, uh, it's an irrelevance. What is relevant is there's an understanding about life, and the quality of that understanding is that one feels a freedom in it. The quality of the happiness of spiritual life is that it generates a feeling and a sense of a freedom in the circumstances of life. And it can't be taken away by circumstances. And that knowing is the primal knowing of the spiritual life. That no matter what happens in this world, outwardly or inwardly, there is an indestructible element. And what we call enlightened human being, to use such a a fancy word, is that act of knowing. That indestructible element which the movement and dynamic and circumstances of life cannot destroy ever. Not in the potency of, of, of our existence on earth. That knowing is what is to be known. And it may be there are some people on this earth who, in their heartfulness and in their uh, in insights into conventional life, into human relationships, into being on this earth, do have some degree of understanding and knowing about issues, like I mentioned, past issues, childhood issues, adult issues, relationship issues, the mind and the environment issues, or whatever, then that's wonderful. 
because it contributes to invaluable forms of knowing. But I say and I say again, don't expect. Those that know that knowing of that which is indestructible to therefore also know everything else. It leads to nightmares in relationships when there is that kind of expectation and hope and projection and so forth. Discover the, the, the act of knowing which is liberating. That knowing is the one that we are essentially concerned with. If it flows into other areas of life, wonderful. And if it doesn't, there is the appreciation and the lifelong gratitude for knowing that which is indestructible. If we keep that clear, if we, as I say, if we know that well with ourselves in our life, then we'll be able to listen to teachings. We say, oh, yes, that aspect of the teachings, yes, that's valuable. But yes, he doesn't know about that. He doesn't understand that. He's not clear about that. He hasn't gone deeply into that, or she, or whatever. Because one hasn't got a confusion in oneself about the essential knowing and other aspects of knowing which you and I can explore further and further in our life because, as the Buddha pointed out, the, the depth of scope there is extraordinary. To, I say to keep this clear, to, keep, to protect your being as much as anything. May all beings live with awareness. May all beings see into life. May all beings be free. Let's have three or four quiet minutes together, should we please? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.